like a, a frustration, like I have to make up this narrative about our existence because the narrative that people are trying to define for us is unacceptable. So I'm going to make one. Black creativity is unstoppable. The Studio Noise podcast takes you into the studio with Black artists and creatives making the art that moves the culture. You get to feel all the inspiration, technique, and passion behind the people making paintings, making sculptures, making prints, making noise. It's the Studio Noise podcast with your host, Jamal Barber. It's the noise. Yes, it's your boy, Jay Barber. On this podcast, I always focus on the work. I mean, the gallery stuff is cool. The marketing, you know, that whole dance that we do as artists so we get to live our lives. I mean, that that stuff is interesting. But I love to hear about the making, the process, what you did to get where you were to where you are, such as our wonderful guest today, Miss Alexis McGree. She was doing figure works. And then step by step, she gets to these luminous abstract visions of souls, <laughs> right? These ancestral manifestations of blackness, you know, it's a big jump, but it's great to hear the development step by step. You know, we get to follow those revelations today on the show. We're going through her undergrad experience, through her master's program to right now where she's having solo shows at Richard Beaver's Gallery in New York City. It's something to aspire to. It's, it's great to see that kind of stepping up every step of the way. You know, I love it. <laughs> I love it. You know, I love bringing these conversations. So I think you'll love it, too. Go to StudioNoisePodcast.com. Check out all the episodes. And you can support the show by getting you an embroidered logo apron with the Studio Noise Podcast, new Studio Noise Podcast logo on it. Or you can join our Patreon, just like Jakia Fuller. I want to thank you for listening. Helping us keep the show going. I appreciate you. I do the noise for you. Not just not just Jakia, but yes, for you too, girl. <laughs> you know, for sure, I appreciate you. But I do the noise for you, the people that's listening. I bring you these best black artists and creators I can get my hands on. Because it's important that we hear this. That we know the ways that people are getting it done and living their passions. It's inspiring. I know I need it. <laughs> you know, I, I need to hear it. Because, you know, you go into the studio, it's not always easy going, art flowing. Everybody's having a good time. It ain't like that all the time. You need to hear this. So I'm bringing it to you. And hopefully you can get to hear from your favorite artist or maybe your new favorite artist. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's what we do. We introduce you to the voices of black art right here on the podcast. So go ahead and go find not just two art lovers. You can find them too. But find artists. Give me two whole artists. Tell them they got to listen to this because this will pick you up when you're in the studio if you're down. This will get you going, get you ready to get in there and make some noise. And after the break, we got Alexis McGrig right here. You already know it's the noise. Yes. This is Jeremiah Ojo, founder of Ile Kunwa, and you're listening to Studio Noise. All right, it's Studio Noise, your boy Jay Barber. 
I'm here with an extra special guest, one Alexis McGrig. How you doing? Welcome to the podcast. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Yeah, for sure. Yo, you out here looking good, doing good work. Yo, don't don't get no better than that, yo. (laughs) Awesome, yo. I love love it when people come up, yo. How you feeling? Oh, I feel uh, overwhelmed with gratitude. I just feel like I'm just watching my life unfold before my eyes. Everything's just like (laughs) unfolding so quickly. And I'm just like, okay, here I go. I'm, I'm going with you, okay. Yeah, just keep up. Yeah, keep up on yeah. the treadmill, yo. That's all you. That's yeah. Now <laughs> that was up, yo. So Alexis uh, is an abstract painter, uh, a fantastic artist herself. Uh, she went to got her BFA from Mississippi State, and then got her MFA from Texas Tech, and now yeah. she's out doing it big. She got a show at Richard B. Gallery, The Ether Journey in Between. That's probably what we're gonna end up talking about a lot, but. We're going to talk about her and all the good stuff she got going on. Yeah. So so your show is up. Uh, I, I guess it's, it's a be a pretty standard <laughs> question for me to ask you, but uh, how has the show been going for you? The show has had a, a lot of great um, reception, um, particularly what uh, the gallery and um, Jeremiah of Alekunwa, they've been telling me, kids are really drawn to my artwork, which is surprising to me because I'm like thinking, you know, I have all these ideas and I'm using this imagery that in some ways is complex, but the kids are just like really drawn to it. Um, When I went there for the exhibition opening, um, there was actually a group of, I think, middle school students that had come to the exhibition. And I was just like, I really wish I could have been there to talk to them, to hear hear from them. But all of the reception from the exhibition has been great. The turnout was great for the opening. Um, I I don't know what else to say. It's just been really, (laughs) (laughs) really good. (laughs) That's awesome. Is this this your first show in New York? Like Richard Beavers in Brooklyn? This was my first solo exhibition um, in New York. So I've had like a piece, I had a couple pieces show with uh, Richard Beaver's gallery back in December. And then before that, I had like one piece here, one piece there um, that had shown in New York, but this was my first big, this is just you, this is all you, <laughs> you know. The yeah, they, they must have. Yeah, so that was my first time. Nah, they must have liked what they saw because they gave you the go-ahead. It was like, yo, you, you're going to get your own space. It's all yours. Yeah. Like, yeah. After that show in December, which was called Wealth Surrounds Me, um, Richard offered me the opportunity to be represented by his gallery. And so, you know, kind of like the induction is having your own solo exhibition. So it was just like, wow, you know. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yo, I love I love Richard's gallery. I've never been there, but I follow, follow him online. You know yeah. how we do, like when you look at black galleries all over the world, just yeah. checking them out, seeing what they do. Uh, Richard yeah. B. also talked to um, a few artists he represents, Phyllis Stevens. She's been on the mm-hmm. podcast before. And Sean Theodore. Uh, he also yeah. represents Frank Morrison, like a lot of a lot of good, good art up in that space. Yo. So that's definitely yeah. like a seal of approval for you. Like, do you feel <laughs> like that, though? Like, do you feel I like do. you know, you've reached a certain point now? It's like, OK, getting some looks. OK, getting a show. OK. <laughs> Like feeling good? I feel like the the artists that Richard represents are artists of like high stature. I feel like I'm surrounded by some really great um, contemporaries right now. You know, you got 
Marcus Jansen. I mean, they've been around. They've been around much longer than me, obviously. Um, so you got Marcus Jansen, you got Phyllis Stevens, um, some from my time period, Xavier Daniels. Um, like you mentioned, Frank Morrison, he's along, the, you know, in the same yep. time of uh, yep. Phyllis and Marcus Jansen. So it's just like, wow, some heavy hitters. In there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, showing uh, Africante, Genesis. Um, yes, yes. Yeah, a lot, yes. lot of good, a lot of good work in there, yo. Mm-hmm. So is that kind of the way you want your career to go? Like being in like these bigger and bigger spaces, like upgrading or like, how do you see your career shaping up? Um, when you say bigger spaces, do you mean like galleries? Uh, just, yeah. Just in terms of like bigger names. Right. Cause I mean, any objectively, any artist that you talk to was like, Hey, you show work at Richard Beavers. It's like, Oh yeah, I would love to show work. At Richard. You know what <laughs> yeah. I'm saying? Like it's a yeah. goal. So, you know, it's like, it was that one of your goals and like, is it just on the path to doing something bigger for yourself? So um, I think my my trajectory, the way that I see myself or I would, you know, the way I envision my career and my studio practice going, I want to be like along the lines of like Kara Walker and Carrie Mae Weems and Carrie okay, J. Okay. Those are the people that I look up to. Yeah. And so, you know, however... However, I can continue working to achieve that. Um, that's what I want to do. And working with um, Richard's gallery has just like been astronomical. And so um, I think I just want to like keep developing my relationship there and uh, see how that helps me along the way. And, I mean, and so it's a lot of uh, like emerging artists that listen to the show, right? And so like, I want to take a minute to talk about that. Like, what those conversations that you have with Richard um, or whoever, whoever's in charge over there, I'm, I'm not sure who it is, but those conversations that you have, like how, how do those conversations go and how are you approaching it? The conversations in terms of like, what's next? Like what? Yeah. What, in terms of, in terms of, in terms of how they see your work, what, what's the plan that they have for you and how it lines up with what you're doing and like, what advice are they giving you? You know, it's that type of thing. Like, cause you know, most people don't, don't get to have those high level conversations with big names, big people. So working, so working with Richard's gallery, part of our partnership is that, um, we, whatever opportunities come, you know, like in, in reference to the trajectory of my career, we talk about it with each other and discuss how that might be beneficial or how it might not be beneficial, you know, to where I'm trying to go, what, what I would like to do. Um, and, and then also, you know, it, it's a, it's a two pronged thing. It's pushing me forward and pushing the gallery forward as well for all of us, for all the artists is pushing all of us forward, you know, together. Yeah. Um, so when we, when we talk about it, like, for example, there was recently an opportunity that had come up, that I discussed with them that wasn't necessarily a, a need. It wasn't a need for what, for where we're going and, and especially for where we are right now, where my career is and where we're going. So it was like, okay, I see, I'm, I'm telling you what I think my perspective is. These are the points that I think might, or why I would be interested in this opportunity. And then he's explaining what he sees the, pros and cons are of that opportunity and discusses it with me. And he says, well, you know, if, if you're still interested in doing that, by all means do it, but 
these are the pros and cons. And if it's something that you are just really, you know, headstrong about, then he can't like say, don't do it. But right. we, we have to think collectively about how this is going to affect my career and how that's going to affect the gallery also. Right. Because they're invested in you at that point. Right. Right. Because they're, they're investing their time and their resources and all that. Um, and so I have to be conscious of those things as well. But at, at the end of the day, the gallery has my best interest and I have the best interest of the gallery as well. So we're working together like a partnership. That's awesome, y'all. That's the, that's the type of thing that, you know, people dream about, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Get somebody behind you with some, with some knowledge and some, you know, yeah. some good sound uh, advice and, and that's trying to look out for you. Because well, when, yeah. when, when y'all are in that partnership, like you said, it is beneficial for them, for you to be the best Alexis that you can possibly be, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and in addition with working with the gallery, we, I do work with Ile Konwa with uh, Jeremiah Ojo. Yep. So all me, myself, Jeremiah, <laughs> Ile Konwa, and the gallery, we kind of have been like working together to kind of... <laughs> Yeah, yeah y'all like can't y'all can't see her fingers. Like y'all can't see her fingers, but she's doing like Everybody. this uh, origami thing. Like, <laughs> yes, it's like a, yes. Yeah, that's what's up, yo. That's what's up, yo. So, um, so tell me this. Uh, you know, your work has changed a lot. Like even since I've known you, um, mm-hmm. in the first time that we've had conversations. So, uh, what 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 inspired the change? Like, what was it that, like, you moved from a more figural practice to this kind of really abstract, layered, um, you know, dyes and, and charcoal and, like, all this other stuff, like, involved in it? Like, what inspired the, the change? What was the switch? So, when I got to grad school, a lot of my work was, like you said, figurative, um, very literal uh, when I was trying to you know, talk about the narrative or the content that I was speaking on at that time, which had a lot to do with like ancestral lineage, connections to uh, continental Africa, not having any direct connection to a specific, you know, country or anything like that, or trying to like find some sort of relational heritage. And so when I started doing that research, all of it for me and the imagery that I was coming with was very literal. It was very figurative, talking about you know, the body and the figure and all that. But um, as I continued, you know, doing research, um, not necessarily with talking about um, ancestry or anything, but just doing other conceptual um, research, the idea that I needed to focus on the figure kind of just floated away. And in addition to that, the materials were required to change. So not only were my ideas about how to convey what I was thinking changed, the materials were required to change. So at one point I was talking about like digging through layers of like space, like um, like as I was painting on the wall, like drawing figures, I started drawing like figures on top of figures. Mm-hmm. And then I started thinking about it like, the paper plane being an opening to another plane so I could see other figures through the the plane of the paper. So then it started being, okay, well, I am um, interpreting this invisible, these invisible layers of space. Now, how can I start layering my actual materials to create? 
space. So I started kind of like ripping, like applying paper and ripping. And then that led to me uh, starting using charcoal in the paper and layering the charcoal. And um, <clears throat> one day in my studio, I was having a, a visit with one of my faculty and I told her this space that I'm trying to create is very dense. And I, I'm not sure like what materials I needed to use or, or no, no, no. I was using charcoal at the time. And I, I explained to her, I just, I, for some reason, I just cannot get this charcoal to layer to the depth that I'm trying to explain. Like I'm trying to explain visually. So she said, you know what? Forget, forget about the figure, what you're trying to do. Take one pack of charcoal. Like I had a, a box of charcoal that might have like 20 sticks in there. She said, I don't care how many sticks you have to use, take the sticks of charcoal and just layer. Like I was scratching into the paper, <laughs> uh, you know, putting like a lot of physical energy layering, just scratching with the charcoal, used all of the sticks until it made like this velvety surface. Mm. Once I did that painting, it was like the light bulb went off. I remember it. Oh, I remember that day. <laughs> I remember that day because I was sick and I had just been working in my studio trying to figure it out, <laughs> just trying to get it together. When I tell you the charcoal was everywhere, like it was all over my studio, all over my materials, everything. But I layered that charcoal. And when I did that and made that velvety surface, I knew you're on to something now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was the because moment. That was the moment. It was like yeah. this light bulb went off. Because a word came into my mind while I was working, and that word was blackness. Mm. As I started thinking about blackness, what is that? Like, what does that mean? Why am I, what am I making? What am I making with this by layering the this material? What am I doing? What am I saying with this? And that's when I started thinking about blackness, not only blackness as this space that I'm pushing into the wall, but blackness as a larger idea, blackness as like a, it, it first started like, I was thinking of it as like a cylindrical orb or space that existed like around us. Mm. And then in, in, in addition to that, thinking about it just kind of as a metaphor for our existence. And when I put those two things together, the material, well, it was three things, the material, this space and the idea, I was like, uh-uh, I'm going to be talking about this for years. <laughs> I'm going to be thinking about this for years. I know it. I know it. I just knew it. You know how you, you're you doing something, you're in your mojo, and it hits you? Yeah. Like when you like when you make a work that you know, like deep down, is this is right. Yeah. This is it. Yeah. That's what happened. That's what happened when I made oh, that. Oh man, that's crazy. <laughs> that's awesome, yo. Yeah, I I, I remember that feeling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Oh man, so so were you in essence trying to represent blackness, or were you trying to recreate um, the feeling of blackness? Because you know, it's it can it can vary, like depending on your perspective about like exactly what were you trying to accomplish as you were doing it. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes the intention doesn't come until much later on um, in the process though. I wasn't even thinking about, I wasn't, when I, when I started, when I was like, you know, layering the charcoal, I wasn't even thinking about 
how can I represent blackness? Because I hadn't gotten to that yet. I hadn't mm-hmm. gotten to the, the the idea yet. Yeah. I was thinking about how I can make space using this material, which still is talking about layering and pushing into like an opening. Right. Right. So in doing that, that's when it came to, okay, now I'm starting to think about blackness in how we exist, how, how me using these materials is a metaphor for our being or the things that have impacted us psychologically, uh, the trauma that we carry in our bodies, um, and, and how we are like present in this space. Like I, I saw it as this field that surrounded us. Mm. Um, so in doing that, it just, I felt like it didn't require me to communicate the figure anymore. Cause it was more than that. Cause the, because it was going beyond the body. Right. It yeah. was, its foundation started here, but it was going like way past that. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I love that, yo. And so when you think about, well, no, let me ask you this. Why charcoal? Like, what was it about the charcoal that you felt it warranted that exploration? Okay. Like, you know, because, um, you know, it, sometimes you reach the limitations of a medium, like as mm-hmm. you were describing, um, mm-hmm. most other people would have switched to a different thing, right? Mm-hmm. But for some reason, like you held on to that. Like, what was it about? like that experience of the drawing, right? With the charcoal and the layering that you wanted to get at was, was that part intentional? So going into grad school, I was, I was using oil painting. I was oil painting when I first started. And when I switched, you know, to, you know, move away, this, these, these paintings that I'm working on, they're not working out. This ain't it. Um, I went back to drawing first, went back to, you know, yeah, back to step one. Yeah, back to step one. Yeah. Back to sketching. I knew at that time. Okay, I'm still working with figures, just in a different way. But for me, the comfortable place to work with figures was with charcoal. Mm. And in addition to that, leading up to that painting um, where I said I made that velvety surface. Um, when I was doing those figures and applying paper and like kind of just. I was just like lightly using the charcoal, you know, in drawing school where you, um, where they teach you the method where you're like, uh, removing you, you layer the paper with charcoal and you come back with your eraser and you kind of yeah. pick it out and yep. that yeah. that's what I was doing. Um, mm. and mm. The, the, the layers that I was making, I was, I was thinking of that as like the space, but see my layers weren't thick enough. Yeah. <laughs> They weren't, they weren't reaching the depth that I was trying, that I was trying to achieve. Um, But I mean, I was working with the charcoal and I knew that using the charcoal because of how it can be used, I could push and pull things in and out of it very fluidly because it's, you know, it's light, it's airy, you can erase it, you can layer it, you put it back, take it out, you know? So that's how I thought of kind of like moving through the space as well. Um, And so it became like, became like my baby that was that was the number one that was the number one material that i was like always uh, including in everything and so 
before I got to that painting where I layered it, she said, just take the whole box and do whatever you got to do. Put the, put the charcoal on the paper. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remembered, and I think this influenced that, that light bulb moment too. I remembered when I was in, might've been 11th grade, I went to a performing arts school and one of our assignments at the school was that we had to, uh, find a painting or drawing or whatever by a famous artist and replicate it using charcoal. And the painting that I chose was, was that, I can't remember the artist, but it's the one with the woman, it's the French woman in the bar with the mirror and the there's bottles and everything all behind her. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it was that painting. And in the yeah. painting she had on this like black velvety dress. And so when I did that little drawing, I, I layered the charcoal on there with that. <laughs> <laughs> I layered it on there, you know, really, really deep and dark and luscious like that. And I always remember very vividly the surf right. that it made. So when my professor told me that, I was like, oh. But it wasn't just layering. It was the way. It was the method. Like, right. Yeah, yeah you, I was, I was, I was scribbling and scratching the charcoal into the paper. But part of that was the method of like smoothing and adding water and all this to make that velvety surface that I remembered from when I was in sixteen or whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, so charcoal has always kind of been like the, my foundation, especially when dealing with figures. But I took that, I took that medium into what I was trying to create because first of all, it itself is black. And me thinking about black people and creating space and how I can use that, charcoal was the very first material that I could try to convey that with. Yeah, I like that. So when you were doing that exploration, how many pieces did you make just with the charcoal before you like started adding other materials to it? So, when she told me about take the take the take the charcoal and layer it, I tried just layering charcoal only, but it wasn't achieving what I needed. So I then took just a you know sheet of paper, painted it like this very deep like navy blue. And then went back on and started layering the charcoal, layering, layering, mm. layering, going on. Um, and after I made that one, I think I probably made maybe six more similar to that. One had a figure, two had the sort of transcripty writing that I incorporate from time to time. Um, two had one, two had the charcoal, but without the painted background. Um, and then there's one painting, well, not painting, you call it a drawing, um, one drawing that I had that was just made of complete script. Yeah. Like just, it was just layers and layers of writing. Yeah. So I didn't ask this question at first. Is Texas Tech a three-year program? Yes, it is. So this was how many years into it? That was the 
fall of 2015. So my second year, the fall okay. of my second year. Okay. Yeah. 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 I, I think that was, that was sort of my trajectory too, where I was, you know, when you first get to grad school, like you got to adjust yourself, right? You got to mm-hmm. do, you got to read and do classes and, you know, all the other stuff that you got to do. And, yeah. then, and for me, it wasn't really until, but you were still doing what you know, right? Yeah. And so it wasn't until that second year for me that I started to do different things and like push myself because, you know, like you kind of get the idea like, yo, my third year, I'm going to be making my thesis. This is the time for me to like try something wild and crazy. Like, so was that kind of w- what you were doing too? Sort of. So that, the, that, that, the fall of my second year is when the, when I realized what my thesis was going to be along the lines, like the church, like the direction of it. The, the first year, you know, I told you, I started with oil painting. I was like trying to force what I had been previously doing yep. before getting there. It wasn't working. Uh-uh. This yep. is just not, I got to do something else. And in that first semester, one of my faculty, he was like, you just need to make a terrible painting, go in there, make a terrible painting, get rid of these constraints that you have and try something else. So I did that, started doing these just sort of illustrative portraits of African women, like, you know, Mm -hmm. African women. Um, And then that led to what I was talking about with the layering of the paper and the charcoal and, you know, drawing to the figures. So that was my second semester. And in that I was doing like these dancing, like figurative forms and layering with like transparent paper and all that kind of stuff, which was leading me into that right. next semester, the fall of yeah. that um, epiphany about the blackness. Yeah. Nah, that's dope, yo. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I like this. I like this story and I like the um, emotion that's behind it too. Like you, <laughs> I, I feel like you reliving it almost like, yeah, as, I mean, as I was, you're talking about it. I was in it. I was in it. <laughs> <laughs> I was in it. Like, we, I'm not here for nothing. It was hard. I'm telling you, know. Oh, Grass yeah. Oh, yeah. Hard. They had me contemplating, like, what am I doing? <laughs> Why am I here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what's up, yo. And so you you broke through, started thinking about more abstract um, ways. Uh, who were you reading and, and studying at the time? I can't remember what the name of it was, but some of what it was talking about was what our lives or black people's lives would have been like without like Western colonization. Mm -hmm. Um, And then some of what we were reading in like theory classes was influencing me. Like at the time we had been reading Jacques Lacan and his ideas of the veil. And I really Mm -hmm. like, latched on to that and used that in my work because I started talking about um, how us seeing ourselves in the mirror or seeing ourselves was looking at using my artwork, looking at my artwork, thinking of that as like this veil between our space and then another space where our ancestors lived in Rome. So um, seeing them was also seeing myself. So it was just kind of, I was using that. I was reading a little bit of, or maybe this was later. I was reading Gaston Bachelard. Uh, 
I was influenced a lot by um, music and dance. Uh, at at one point, I was referencing this poem by Sun Ra mm-hmm. called "The Shadows Took Shape." That that I made like a whole semester of work from that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also during I think the summer of twenty. The summer of 2015, I had gone to Atlanta for an internship, and I had the opportunity to go to Radcliffe Bailey's studio. Nice, yeah. so cool. I will never yeah. ever forget forget that. Um, went to his studio for like this um, performance of it was a dance performance by T Lang that she did in his studio. Well, her dancers did in his studio, and I remember going in there seeing his work and just being like floored like first of yeah. all his studio is amazing but second of all the work <laughs> is just, <laughs> just jaw dropping and then t lang coming with this performance surrounded by this kind of like afro futuristic work i was like oh <laughs> i cried that day I cried. Yes, <laughs> Jeremiah. I cried when we left. I cried. It touched me. The 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 performance and the artwork together was too much. It was too much. <laughs> um, um, so when I went back to when I went back to grad school, I, I was I still had that in the back of my mind. So I was reading the poetry. I was listening to some some music. I was watching these performances by T Lang. Um, and then, you know, having seen, um, Radcliffe Bailey's work, then I started, you know, looking into Afrofuturism. Um, I can go back and find some of the books that I was reading at this time. I can't remember what the names of them were. Cause I was just like grabbing little pieces from different books. No. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, I think that's the part that I, that I was getting at in, in terms of, you know, not specific books, but just the process of it, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like you were, you were piecing together yeah. like a stream of consciousness, like that's out there, like feeling the zeitgeist, like, you know, getting into um, building the concept in your mind yeah. before you manifest it, like on paper or like whatever it is you were using at the time. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I think like, I think that's super important. And obviously it was pivotal for you. Yeah, you know what I'm saying in, in terms of how you were developing the idea, how you were go- begin to approach the work, right? Yeah. Hi, it's Layla Rose Fanner. I am an artist and illustrator, and you are listening to Studio Noise. And so, yeah. and on some level, then started to use the dyes like when did the dyes come in uh and uh and the other stuff you started like incorporating so the dyes came in like the fall of my third year that seemed to be the, the scene the fall seemed to be the pivotal moment <laughs> <laughs> yeah those came in well no 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 in the spring of my second year, I started experimenting with dyes. Um, first, I, because, okay, 
So, you know, I told you I was trying to like create these like transparent layers. Yeah. I started trying to create transparent layers using paper. Um, but, you know, as I then was trying to use charcoal and paint, then I started thinking about, well, I think at this in the fall of my second year, that's when the exhibition with Kara Walker, Sugar Baby came out and she had the oh, little, right. yeah, little yeah. like molasses or whatever. And they were yeah. like transparent, but they were brown. So I like, I was like messing with sugar and I was doing like <laughs> wax paper and uh, um, vellum and like the plasticky paper. I bought like um, sheer curtains. <laughs> I was trying to like paint on that. And then I was like, okay, I kind of like these sheer curtains. What can I do with that? Because I'm now like putting sheer curtains over my paintings. We're getting, what are you doing, Alexis? (laughs) But let's just, we're just, that's some grad school stuff. Yeah, that's some grad school stuff. I'm making layers into the space. So this is a layer, (laughs) open it up, and there we're going in. We're going into the the void. We're going into, going to meet my ancestors, summoning them. They're meeting me here at the surface. All right. We got sheer curtains. All right. Well, the palette started to change. It, it, I, I was using black. Then I was using blacks and blues. Then I was using blacks, blues, and violets. Then I started thinking about, well, what other ways can I make black? I mean, black is the sum of all colors. So there's so many ways that I can examine that. So what are you doing? What what medium are you going to use? So when I had that sheer fabric, I thought, okay, well, can I dye this to be another color? Like if I take several of them and dye them several colors and layer them, what's that? You know, how, what, how's that going to work? So started trying to dye the sheer fabrics. Um, those didn't work out so well. they didn't they didn't work out great but trial and error so (laughs) then i started trying to dye canvas like little little pieces of canvas i started trying to do like natural dyes like i started collecting little avocado seeds because avocados makes like these oh wow okay maroon dye tried doing that it wasn't working tried dyeing paper Okay. So then I started buying like man-made, like more man-made dyes. So I was buying RIT dyes, the liquid stuff. Yeah. And it wasn't rich enough. Back to the, it's not dark enough. It's not getting, it's not giving what's supposed to be getting. Yeah. Yeah. It's not giving what it needs to get. So I started thinking, okay, hmm, what, what can I use? that is going to be rich enough that I can use in layers that will be transparent. What can I use? So one day I was in my studio messing around with those sheer curtains again, using red dye. And I was like, well, I'm going to just try it on paper. The curtains, give it up. Let's go. Just, I'm going to try it on paper. What's the, what is the imagery that I'm making? I'm not sure, but I know that they are figure like, we're, we'll we'll keep our foundation in the figure, but I'm not going to be actually painting figure. So I took my red dye, put it in a spray bottle, and I sprayed a sheet of paper. And I was like, okay, you know, I kind of like that shape. All I did was like spray what was like a figurehead 
and shoulders. And the dye just ran down. I was like, okay, I kind of like that. That's, that's not bad, okay. So then I was like, all right, what do I need to do to like manipulate this? Because it's, 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 something's flat about this. So now you're thinking like technically, I'm start, starting to think technically about the material itself. Right. Um. So then I started messing with it, spraying it with water, you know, kind of like, altering the surface and that's when the light bulb went off like okay here's what i'm about to do i'm about to start spraying i started spraying just fine dyes no i went to the i went to the art store that was in in lubbock and they had these little jars of powdered pigmented dye Mm, okay because i i think i went looking for like pigmented just like pigment or something And they had these pigmented dyes. So I was like, I'm going to try these. Got, got a couple of those, took them back, started using them with water in a spray bottle, started spraying them on paper, and then using the imagery that I was thinking of in my head. And I was like, okay, this is, now we're going somewhere. We're going, we're going somewhere yeah. with these with these fabric dyes. Yeah. And I've kept them. ain't nothing wrong with that ain't nothing wrong with that yo yeah yeah so i like i like this i like hearing about the process about building and and how you like one revelation gets to another like one mistake leads to the breakthrough you know what i'm saying as you start piecing it together so at a certain point you start to like use the spray bottle now there are videos of you on your website on vimeo videos of Mm -hmm. you and this process an interview you did with christie's uh, where mm-hmm. they where they show some of this process too, and so it mm-hmm. looks like it it's developed into a really active, wet on wet, um, kind of pouring and and mm-hmm. like you know big space outside like you know you're doing like a whole lot of stuff to get it like, mm-hmm. tell us about that momentum that that pushed you in that direction. Yeah, so <clears throat> when I was when I started using the dyes like with a spray bottle, I was being very timid, not you know like not realizing the capacity that the dye could have. Um, Cause I started like using maybe like one or two, one or two colors. And then I, I started thinking about it, about the material as like the same way that I use watercolor. Once mm, I started okay. thinking about yeah. like, I know it's dye, but it acts the same as watercolor. So use it as such. And that's what I started doing. Um, and so then in a, in addition to using the spray bottle, I was I was still just working on the wall. I hadn't even started working on the floor yet. Or no, I had started working on the floor, but I was still I was using like powdered charcoal and powdered like gold, whatever. And then so I was like, all right, well, this isn't this isn't impactful enough. These need to come off the wall and I put them on the floor. So that's when I started taking several colors. And now I'm like, this is when I start going back into my move. I start going into this movement of working around the pieces, you know, pouring the dyes, well, spraying, pouring a little bit of the dyes on there, on the paper. Right. And then <clears throat> eventually um, I moved from using the dye on paper to using, pouring the dyes on canvas. Um, and you know, there's much more 
layering and physical effort that has to go into the pouring the dyes on canvas because they're much more absorb they can absorb more mm -hmm. um so the way that i had to move around because the, the imagery that i was trying to make affected the way that i would layer layer the the dye right so the only way to achieve the the underpainting that i was doing was to move and so kind of how it just it led up to that no nah, I, I love that yo and so you ended up with pieces that are they're, they're very hard to describe but it's very ethereal and like you you can you're almost seeing people or things something recognizable in it like all abstract art right mm -hmm. where um we in our minds want to quantify it right and give it some kind of reference to what we know but mm -hmm. i think you are like summoning like ancestral memory or something like inside of it like it feels like that it feels like you like you describe it as space it feels like it is like a depth to the canvases that is revealing something like in in the in the something is up for debate or do you have an idea what the something is the something that's coming to the surface yeah for me the the thing that's coming to the surface is a soul mm. it's a it's a being that's like transmitting information <laughs> like um i envision them as they're coming through this space that i've created or a fictional space in a fictional narrative that I've made up. And they're they're coming from a, a alternate third universe. So in the previous bodies of work, I was saying, you know, my ancestors that existed, they're they're I'm summoning them to the surface. But that still required the body, the way that I was talking mm -hmm. about. Right. still required the body. I was still talking about them as if they were physical beings. Right. But as I started thinking about the trauma that we experienced as Black people and moving beyond that, because um, when I first started working with the dyes, I started talking about ascension and the soul leaving the body. And and, and in order for, for Black people to exist, we had to experience some sort of psychological or physical trauma that required the soul to literally like detach from the body. It, like Like existing here in our bodies was so, it was so traumatic that we couldn't exist anymore. Like something happened so terrible that our souls were forced to leave our body unwillingly. Um, so I started thinking about that. <clears throat> So, okay, if the if, if the souls are leaving our body, now I'm thinking about, you know, black existence without the physical body, where where are we going? Like what where where are they going? <laughs> right. <laughs> They're leaving, where are they going? Um and so this was starting to to continue this narrative that I had created about blackness and black black existence and talking and, and expounding more on that space. What is the space? How do we get to and from it? Where where is the beginning or the end? Is there a beginning or an end? Is this a cyclical journey? Is this a just we're here now, we're gone there, you know, beginning, end, you know, um, all those questions all those questions started happening. And as those questions were coming, I'm adding to the narrative because I have the freedom to add to the narrative as an artist. 
And, you know, also thinking about, we have to take ownership of the narrative. I can, I can tell you, I can tell you what black existence is. Like I have to make up this alternative narrative in order for black people to have some sort of um, reprieve. Mm -hmm. We have to have some sort of, it's almost like a, a frustration. Like I have to make up this narrative about our existence because the narrative that people are trying to define for us is unacceptable. So I'm going to make one that is right. acceptable to yeah. me. Um, but anyway, so as those questions arose and thinking about where the soul, where the soul was going, that's how the more, the, the more of this idea of blackness began to develop in talking about a third space and talking about souls traveling through space and, and me visualizing that and, and, and depicting that for people to see what I was, what I was conveying with my words convey the the forms that I'm thinking though so that's what comes to the surface for me I know that was like way around <laughs> <laughs> no nah, that's 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 great yeah. Joe that's great because uh I mean I feel like I'm I'm following you like as it develops like I'm I'm like watching you like talk about it and like yeah. get into it like I'm on that journey too like yeah yeah you know, <laughs> Pour, pour some more stuff on it. Yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, tell me about uh, the uh, covering for the soul. Like it's one piece that was really striking from the show. Yes. Um, so in this current series, the ether journey in between a large part of what I was thinking about. So I, I briefly mentioned about this third space that is outside, like on the boundary of blackness, on the boundary of the space that I call blackness. Right. Um, and that space being the, the space where God dwells and the space where the souls return to when they leave our body, that's where they go. All right. And so, but not only do they go there, they come from there, right? They make mm. the, they make the trip back. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and I think it also is partly influenced by this idea that our ancestors are, when we go there, you know, we're like learning something, we're getting something from them. Or, or they're giving us something, and we we we're, we we come back and we bring it back with us, right? Um, but when they leave the third space to come back, in the in the narrative that I'm talking about in the ether, when the souls like peek through or manifest through the third space back into what is what we think of as outer space or celestial space. When they break open from that other space, that light that you see in that painting and covering for the soul is like the breaking open of the soul, lighting up in that space, right? right. Yeah, yeah. And I know that uh, in in a lot of the paintings where I depict these sort of like ambiguous soul-like forms, I uh, use gold to talk about you know their relationship to that third space. But for me, in this particular body of work, I am specifically expressing the way that the souls must manifest, or not must manifest, have the ability to manifest without any sort of restriction or bound or like confinement. There is no definition for how they must come and take shape. 
there is no no definition for what they must look like or how long it must take or how soft they must be, how delicate they must be or how rough they must be. There's no there's no predis predisposition about how they have to exist. And so I think about that too in relation to how we as black people should be able to exist here. We shouldn't have like a predisposition of how we must navigate the world. Mm -hmm. And so for me, the ether is the freedom space. It's a space where we get to live and get to come into being without somebody telling us how we have to be. And so a covering for the soul is just one of those moments. It's one of those moments where the souls get to come into being, where they get to manifest, where they get to live, where they get to breathe, where they get to open up freely with no restraint. I like that piece. And I like um, Tempestuous Twins um, because as you you start to think about when well, I think about blackness as a collective. And so like, as you talk about these souls, these souls are not alone either. Like in right. the space, it, it, I'm not, this is my interpretation, but that's what like that piece and the tempestuous twins, when you're showing multiple souls existing in the beyond together, like yeah. that gives me a sense of the connection that we all have. Like, yeah. you know, like we're going to disappear into this space, but we're not going to go alone into right. like and be lost in the wilderness like we're back um in the essence you know what i'm saying right. like like together again like you know right. like a reconnection um that'll happen like beyond right right like in some of my older pieces before i started doing the, the like close-up of the figures i was i was painting literally the the journey through the space mm. i was just painting like what it would look like if we were if we were without form and we were if we were traveling through space, but we were cognitive of what we were, what was being seen or what was happening, and you could see like way out in the beyond, you could see this like light on the horizon, and that light, what you're seeing in in this series, is like the close up of those figures, and they're not there alone. There's a there's a there's hundreds of them, you know, hundreds of them peaking or breaking from the space, from the third space. Right. So, yeah, yeah. that's it's, it's awesome. You know, I, I think um, I wish I could go see it in person, you know, because <laughs> uh, even like Richard Beaver's got this uh, this 3D model of like yeah. everything on the website. Like it, it's really striking to see them like all together like that. You know what I'm saying? And and as you even as you navigate in just the 3D space to go around the room, mm -hmm. I see the connection that's happening between them. Like I see the size and I can imagine mm -hmm. uh, the scale. And represent in in relationship to my body, mm -hmm. right? How big they are, how engulfing, like you can almost feel like you can step into it. Like yeah. these people are these things, people, essence, soul, like whatever you would describe it is, is happening in front of you, like yeah. in in your space. So you be can become part of it. Mm -hmm. I think that's a that's a great thing to be able to do as an artist, right? To to, to transfer people on a journey in that way. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. so um, was that your intention? Like, or or was it, or did the, all these pieces just kind of manifest and this is what it is? I didn't think about them collectively. No. Usually when I'm working, I typically kind of like work in threes, sometimes fours, depending on how much space I have, but I don't ever think about them 
like as a unit. Mm-hmm. Like, like me going to the gallery for the exhibition opening, um, being there at that time, that was my first time seeing them all together. Yeah. And seeing the, like, I know that there's a relationship, but I don't get to, I didn't get to see it until they were all up. And that's yeah. when it became really like, oh, wow. There, I mean, there's a common thread because the way that I make them, there's a common thread in just their appearance. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. The colors um, and the drips and, uh, and, the uh, and the similarities in light that's, uh, that you establish with how you're doing it. Like it, yeah. it's really striking, you know, really striking. They're, they're really good. And it's just something that, oh man, you know, just wish he was right there in front of it, staring at it. Yeah. Um, as you did it. So um, when you looked at it and saw all of them together, did you have any other revelations about, um, where you want to go with it? So, you know how we're our own, we're our own critic. Yeah. Um, seeing them together, the weird part about it is that I saw the work and I know that the work, or I knew that the work was mine. I know that the work is mine, but I was looking at it and feeling like this isn't mine. <laughs> this isn't mine. I did this. I did this. Like I know it's like if the two were not, uh, they were not in agreement in my head. They were no. not registering. Like you made this with your hand, and you are here observing what you made. Yeah, I felt like I'm going and looking at somebody else's work. <laughs> okay, but aside from that, um I looked at them and I saw where it could go. Because this series with me talking about the moment that they're, you know, breaking through that third space, that's the first time me talking about that like up close and not talking about just traveling me talking about the figures coming from there right um and and thinking technically about the materials that's mostly what i was looking at the technical part of the materials and how i could really like refine that more so like what what is being depicted there i love it's very raw very visceral i feel like uh and i love that but I also the you know the 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 training that we that we have as artists wants us to what is it refine that more right how right. can I refine that more how can right. I make this more yeah. how can I make this more real it's visceral keep that what what more can I do to really advance this idea in using the materials and technical application yeah. I can see that. It's, yeah. it's funny. It's funny how you are. You, you never really stop working. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? <laughs> even, yeah. even, even at your show, like, you're yeah. still like yeah. thinking about, you know, I can, I want to go back. I'm going to do, yeah. you know what I'm do this. Like, I, was yeah. looking, I was looking at the ones on paper. So there's only one painting on paper there that has charcoal on it. And I was looking at it. I was looking at the one. I was like, you know, I really love the one with the charcoal. And I didn't put charcoal on the other ones because when I did that first one with the charcoal, I felt like, mm-mm, mm-mm, mm. I don't have to cover anymore. Mm. We don't have to cover anymore. We don't have to cover the paper. And in this space, you don't have to be covered. You don't, you don't have to hide 
behind this veil of charcoal anymore. Yeah, yeah. I didn't apply it to any other ones. So it was me really just thinking about the materials. But yeah. No, I I love that, Joe. Uh, it's it's funny when you can talk to somebody and like feel like you're in that process like i feel yeah. like like in the studio with you like yeah you know what i'm saying don't put that down yeah <laughs> no that's awesome yo that's awesome uh yeah so you know and if just from looking at this work and you know you did some other installation work that i really like too um mm-hmm. um really quickly talk talk to me about like um, the difference between that installation piece, which was, I think it was violet, right? Blackness violet. Like a, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. they, and I, I somehow see like a little connection between that and this. And I don't know if it's just because I'm looking at them like in a row, but but I, I do feel like it's something about, there's a, there's a, there's that tone of violet in all of these. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it's like a lot more depth to it, but like overall, I I feel that connection between the two ideas. Yes, there is the the color or the you said the the ideas. Both, yeah, I, th- I think it's both because I think the color is relating or making me think of the installation piece, and mm. and somehow I think I'm I may be forcing you know a square peg in a round hole, but I feel like there's some kind of connection between what you were trying to establish with that space, with the, mm-hmm. with the, with the violet and the the other stuff and the ideas of a physical space of blackness mm-hmm. and this, which you are creating, recreating the space almost. I'm, I'm not sure like what the right word is, what that connection is, but, uh, but tell me about the installation a little bit. So the installation, um, Blackness Violet Deep. So I had the installation that was like a 12 foot by 12 foot installation of these like large looming drapes that were, that I had dyed using fabric dyes, but also painted, um, you know, and used other materials on, but that they were paired with um, these five paintings using fabric dyes in the same method or, or similar, I won't say same, similar method to the paintings that are in um, the ether exhibition. But the installation itself was my, my attempt to examine how we as black people have to kind of move or stretch or linger to move through space and make other people sense that, right? Mm-hmm. So when people came to the exhibition to see the installation because of how it kind of like drooped and draped. Um, it required them to kind of like move around a little bit in some ways. Right. And, you know, I was limited by material, but if I could have, I would have like bolted it to the ground. <laughs> bolted some of it to the ground and like stretched it really long, you know, to the ceiling. But I used what we I I used the resources that I had, but with the resources that I had, the shapes that I were able to make were these like long, like drooping, draping shapes that I wanted people to kind of like brush up against. They would like graze against it when they would walk by. They were required to kind of like move in and around it. The only way you could see was to go in and around it, right? And so I was thinking about how are these 
how is this insulation or these shapes that I'm making similar to how I feel we have to, not have to, but we do. We even unconsciously do this just day to day, how we are made to feel uncomfortable just in the way that we just walk around yeah. very plainly, yeah. very plainly just walk around. So how can I make that tension visible? Right. And it was also think thinking about how we just 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 very plainly walk around every day. Like I, I remember going to uh, the, the the store and I was on the 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 aisle with the nails nail salon products, right? And there was a lady standing in front of these products that I wanted. It, it, it was a Caucasian woman. She was standing <laughs> in front of the in front right. of the product that I wanted to get, and. I saw her standing there and before I like walked before I even realized, like I was walking toward her, my brain was already saying, go around. Like I need to go extra around. So mm. she doesn't think that I'm trying to like do something to her. Mm, me, right. Yeah. Me. I know, <laughs> I know I don't look <laughs> ominous in any way, but I made the gesture before I even even got up to her. Right. You know? Yeah. Trying to make her comfortable when I wasn't even, there was no reason for her to be uncomfortable. Right. So I think about that in me thinking about this installation. Like, this is what it feels like. This is what it feels like for me to have to try to adjust when I don't have to. So now you walk around it and you see what it feels like. Yeah. That was good stuff, yo. <laughs> that was good stuff, yo. I always like that way, yo. <laughs> it's excellent, yo. Yo, it's been so great talking to you, yo. Like, yeah. you know, I feel like we can talk for another two hours or something. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was good. Yeah, for sure, yo. Tell them where they can find you. You can find me on Instagram at Alexis McGrig. That's A L E X I S. M C G R I G G or at www.alexismcgrig.com. <laughs> yes, y'all better get on to it. Y'all better collect this work, yo. She she's going off, yo. I, uh, <laughs> she's already looking at the show and thinking about the next level already. So I know she's about to do something special, yo. Thanks for coming on the show, yo. Thank you for having me. That's it. Another episode of Studio Noise in the Bank. Big thank you to Alexis McGrath for coming on the podcast. Love hearing from you, girl. We'll be back next week. More inspiring conversations. I'm bringing in the scholars. <laughs> Tiffany E. Barber's on the show. Not related to me, but she's still going to give it up. You know the way we do it. All my artists out there, stay focused. A lot of people doing a lot of things, but you keep making your noise. Your noise. We'll see y'all next week, y'all. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Studio Noise Podcast. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Please take a second to rate us and write a review to make sure everybody knows about the noise. Follow us on Instagram at Studio Noise Podcast. 